The entire thing has been a witch hunt, and uh, I think it divides the country. It divides the country. It divides the country? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's one reason. I got the feeling that something right. To divide the I'm country. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From Pacifica in Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, 92.9 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui, Hawaii. On WGRN, 94.1 FM in Columbus, Ohio, 102.9 FM WLPP in Palinville, New York, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950. KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for what will undoubtedly be another action-packed, thrilling adventure that we call the Bradcast. Uh, Boy, one of the AP stories today that we may get to, we'll see what happens here. Uh, One of those stories describes, uh, quote, the announcement as the latest in the shock-a-day Washington saga. That from the usually quite staid uh, AP, calling it the uh, shock-a-day Washington saga, they added the latest political storm coupled with the still potent fallout from another Trump-related scandal has overshadowed all else in the Capitol and beyond. Beyond, I think, would include here... On the broadcast. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I had hoped Desi Doyen today to at least try to get to some of the, uh, the pretty important news that's been going on this week that we've had uh, to drop over the last several days due to all of the breaking news, the mid show breaking news that we've had to deal with over the past two or three days. Um, but now, now there are at least 10 different news items just today that are breaking, any of which, frankly, could take up an entire show that we could focus on. You know, pick one. Oh, yeah. We could focus on the entire thing, frankly, uh, at least in normal uh, in a normal news cycle in normal times. Uh, a lot yeah, of the, and, and, you know, yeah. and many of these stories in normal times would be enough to drive the news cycle by themselves. Yeah, exactly. Not just for us, but for the entire media. But these are not normal uh, news times, not a normal news cycle at all, apparently. So right. once again, all plans are thrown out for today. Uh, planned guests canceled. We will just try to write out this uh, news tsunami 
which is no longer a news fire hose. It's now a news tsunami uh, <laughs> taking over everything else, as AP describes, as best we can today, uh, given what uh, CNN describes in one of their reports as the, quote, dark chaos uh, that's the mood they describe at the White House today and with the same, I should say, being inflicted on the nation itself. Uh, there was, uh, to give you some sense of that, a bill introduced in the California Assembly yesterday, which, again, would normally get some kind of coverage. Um, this, I don't even know if anyone has noticed yet, but this bill is entitled Impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. The summary of this bill uh, describes this measure would urge President Donald J. Trump to resign for the good of the country and to avoid the divisiveness of impeachment and would urge the United States Congress to impeach President Donald J. Trump if he does not resign. The uh, the bill and its whereases largely focus on the emoluments clause of the Constitution. Remember that one? Remember that one? We used to worry about that was the a quaint, quaint old conflicts time. of interest, emoluments clause. Uh, yeah, so it, it focuses largely on that, but it also focuses on some of the newer scandals concerning this presidency. Of course, it's California. Of course, it's only been you know introduced so far; it hasn't yet moved forward. But I think it is noteworthy uh, that this is now beginning to happen. That voice you heard, by the way, that lovely voice you heard <laughs> was Desi Doyens. Uh, Des, no matter what happens today, well, I can't say that. I, I was going to say no matter what happens today, we will uh, finish it all out with the Green News Report, the latest Green News Report. But uh, yeah, the only thing I would say about that is yeah. I hope that we get to the Green News yes. Report today because that means that perhaps there's no more earth-shaking news to break within the next In the hour. middle of the show that makes right. us cancel everything else over the next hour. Correct. I hope we do so as well. Uh, so uh, listen, what kind of breaking news do we have for you today? Well, what is a nation to do when it finds out that its leader has, in fact, been living a double life? What? Yes. This from Sky News. The king of the Netherlands has revealed that he has been living a secret double life. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know, right? As a co-pilot for a commercial airline. For 21 years, apparently, King Willem Alexander has taken to the skies twice a month to ferry passengers around on short-haul services for the Dutch airline KLM. But they never uh, told anyone that there was a royal in the cockpit. Uh, Sky reports that although travelers may have recognized the monarch's voice as he updates them on weather conditions and their time of arrival, the royal's presence was never revealed. The fleet of smaller Fokker 70 planes, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Fokker 70 planes, I think we can say that, right? Yes, yeah, well, it's, it's an uh, actual name, yeah. F-O-K-K-E-R. Flown by the king uh, are, are now being phased out by KLM, meaning he needs to take out uh, take some time out to retrain and learn to fly Boeing 737s. But the 50-year-old royal described his casual flights as a, quote, hobby. He said occasionally uh, being able to leave his royal duties behind to concentrate on flying was, quote, relaxing. The father of three says he has no plans, however, to learn to fly the bigger aircraft as flights which involve an overnight stop means he cannot get back in time to the Netherlands in case of an emergency. On staying incognito this whole time, he told the Telegraph newspaper, quote, the advantage is that I can always say I am speaking on behalf of the captain and crew to welcome them aboard so I don't have to say my name. 
But then he adds, most people don't listen anyway. <laughs> wow. So uh, Ankit Panda, the senior editor at the International Affairs magazine, The Diplomat, uh, pointed this one out uh, today, I think, on Twitter, saying, adding, why can't we have scandals like these? Yeah, man, I'm so envious. Tell me about it. Instead, we have scandals like these. Uh, and, and again, this is one of those stories that would be or should be top news today. But for everything else going on, U.S. officials say an American airstrike has hit pro-Syrian government forces in uh, southern Syria in a protected area. The officials say the strike near Tamf hit a tank and a bulldozer and forces there, but it was not clear if they were Syrian army troops or other pro-government allies, pro-Syrian government allies. Uh, one U.S. official tells AP that the uh, pro-regime forces had entered a so-called deconfliction zone without authorization. These are the spaces where there are not supposed to be any fighting going on, according to uh, peace talks that have been trying to move forward uh, in Geneva. Uh, so this was in the de deconfliction zone. The uh, these forces, again, according to a U.S. official, entered the zone without authorization and were perceived as a threat somehow to U.S. allied troops there. The officials say the strike was a defensive move to protect U.S. allies, but it wasn't clear if there were any U.S. forces there. The officials were not authorized to speak publicly on the matter and demanded anonymity. So we don't know. We don't know much what, what to make of it at this point. Um, Sputnik News is reporting that it is unclear whether the strikes have killed any Syrian soldiers or not at this hour uh, or uh, pro-government militia fighters, as there has been no official comment from Damascus. Um, the uh, Sputnik News went on to report that the strike of the U.S.-led coalition on, on Syrian government forces in, in uh, southern Syria should become the most important ag item agenda on the Geneva-Syrian Geneva peace talks, according to Viktor Ozerov, the head of the Defense and Security Committee in Russia's upper house. So this would essentially be the equivalent of the chair of the Senate Armed Services Committee expressing concern about this. Um, and for good reason. <laughs> I wish there was that kind of concern being shown here in the U.S. for the fact that we have now twice, at least, that we know of, now bombed a sovereign nation without authority from the U.N. Uh, or, which one might think it more important, uh, authority from at least U.S. elected officials. No authority from Congress. No authority at all for any of this. And they're not even talking about They're not even discussing it. Not even debating it. As a matter of fact, Democrats lauded Donald Trump the last time that he did this. Uh, as you'll recall, a month or so ago, when he lobbed 59 missiles onto a Syrian airfield. Um, so this will continue because Democrats approved this. It's going to continue not under this president, but it will continue under other presidents, whether it's, by the way, President Pence or President Ryan, whoever ends up being a president in the next four years. Uh, the pres The precedent has now been set. A president, a U.S. president, can attack a sovereign nation without any authority at all from Congress. 
including the Democrats in Congress, uh, who say and do absolutely nothing. Now, do the math on this, and this is why I keep bringing this up. We are bombing Syrian forces. The Russians are working with their Syrian allies in this civil war. What happens uh, when Russians either get killed in this by U.S. forces or the Russians begin to defend their allies, Syria? If they're defending, who are they going to be defending against? Uh, This is just one of the reasons why this is insanely stupid and dangerous and why Democrats should be ashamed of themselves here. I guess we can expect this uh, from Republicans who have shown a proclivity to support anything that this president does, no matter how unlawful it may be. But Democrats now own this as well. And if this ends up in a war, a war between Russian forces and U.S. forces, two nuclear armed uh, world powers, where are we then? I just it's amazing that this goes on, that this gets lost in the news cycle, understandably, I guess, given how much else is going on. Um, but I wanted to point it out because I, I it's it's nuts. It's crazy. Speaking of nuts and crazy and otherwise lost uh, somewhat in this news cycle, uh, McClatchy had an extraordinary report late last night that is also getting somewhat lost today in all the political sturm und drang, but this relates to that political sturm und drang. One of the Trump administration's first decisions about the fight against the Islamic State was made by Michael Flynn, Weeks before he was fired, as a matter of fact, weeks before he was actually sworn in as the uh, national security advisor. And it conformed to the wishes of Turkey, whose interests, unbeknownst to anyone in Washington, supposedly at the time, uh, he had been paid more than five hundred thousand dollars to represent. The decision came 10 days before Donald Trump had even been sworn in as president in a conversation with President Barack Obama's national security advisor, Susan Rice, who had explained the Pentagon's plan to Michael Flynn to retake the Islamic State's de facto capital of Raqqa with Syrian Kurdish forces, whom the Pentagon considered the U.S.'s most effective military partners in the region. Obama's national security team had decided to ask for Trump's sign-off 10 days before he came into office, since the plan would all but certainly be executed after Trump had become president. Well, that was nice of them. Michael Flynn did not hesitate to respond in his uh, answer to uh, Susan Rice. According to timelines distributed by members of Congress in the weeks since, Flynn told Rice to hold off hold off on that uh, military excursion, a move that would delay the military operation for months. If Flynn explained uh, his answer, there is no recorded explanation for that answer, and it's not known whether he consulted anyone else on the transition team before rendering his verdict. He might have just said when Susan Rice called, said, hey, you guys are okay with this uh, effort? He said no, apparently, And may not have even told anyone else on the transition at that time. Yeah, he may have made that decision unilaterally. And this was while he was uh, receiving some $500,000, a half a million, more than half a million dollars, uh, to represent the interests of Turkey 
and had not filed as a foreign agent. It's unclear yet who knows what about, you know, knew in the transition uh, about what he had, uh, his allegiance at that point to this uh, Turkish interests. But it brings up the very scary idea that that Mike Flynn, while being paid secretly by a foreign entity, made decisions, military, U.S. military policy decisions on behalf of that foreign entity. And we have no way of knowing what the impetus was. Was he doing it because he thought it was genuinely the right thing to do or because he was being paid to say so? Well, his position, as McClatchy reports, was consistent with the wishes of Turkey. They have long opposed the U.S. partnering with the Kurdish forces. Uh, and uh, Trump would eventually, they go on a report, would eventually approve that Raqqa plan, but not until weeks after Flynn had been fired. So that effort was delayed, frankly, by months, uh, uh, by seemingly by Michael Flynn himself. Flynn's rejection of a military operation that had been months in the making raises questions about whether other key decisions he might have made uh, also influ- were also influenced during the slightly more than three weeks that he was Trump's national security advisor and the months he was Trump's primary campaign foreign policy advisor. Now, Flynn's connections to Russia have been widely discussed, uh, particularly of late, but it, it is his paid work on Turkey's behalf that offers the clearest evidence of his role as a foreign agent, McClatchy reports, and of his legal problems since he did not declare his foreign agent status until weeks after he had left the Trump administration. Uh, in another indication, they they also know, McClatchy also notes of the close ties between the new administration and Turkey under Flynn. The Turkish U.S. Business Council's annual summit, which is chaired by uh, one of the folks who Flynn had been working with, um, that uh, Turkish U.S. Business Council move council moved its meeting to the Trump International Hotel. In Washington this year. Really? Yes. The summit, which is in its 36th year, had in previous years been held at the Ritz-Carlton. But now, this year, for the first time, the new location was announced the day before Michael Flynn was eventually fired. Now, despite public claims that they uh, that they knew little about Flynn's work for foreign governments, the New York Times reported on Wednesday night that the Trump transition team was actually told on January 4 that he was under federal investigation for lobbying on Turkey's behalf. The alleged warning, which came about a month after the Justice Department notified Flynn of the inquiry, they told him uh, about this inquiry, which focused on his alleged secret work as a paid lobbyist for Turkey during the presidential campaign itself. Flynn's disclosure was first made public to the transition uh, transition team's chief lawyer, Don McGahn. Again, this was reportedly on January 4. Flynn was then dismissed from the White House uh, later, following just 24 days on the job. But when he was dismissed, that was a full 18 days after then-acting Attorney General Sally Yates had informed the same Don McGahn on January 27 that Flynn had also, at least apparently, been misleading the administration regarding his conversations with the Russian ambassador. I suspect we're going to be hearing that name, Donald F. McGahn II, 
more and more as all of this uh, moves forward. He he was told by Flynn himself that Flynn was under investigation by the FBI, and then he was told by the Department of Justice, by Acting Attorney General Sally Yates, uh, that Flynn had been misrepresenting his uh, his conversations with the uh, with the Russian ambassador. So they were warned. They were warned about Flynn's work uh, for Turkey in early January, and they took no action. Then they were warned about Flynn apparently lying about conversations with the Russian ambassador, and they also did nothing other than fire Sally Yates a day or two later before finally firing Flynn uh, once the news and only once the news became public that he uh, apparently and I always say apparently on this issue that he apparently lied to Vice President Mike Pence because we're not sure if he actually did lie to Mike Pence. Right. We don't know if Mike. Those. Yeah. If Mike Pence, as head of the transition team, had information on this, despite the fact that Mike Pence said publicly that it was the first he'd heard of anything about Turkey. So uh, not just about uh, Turkey, but about his conversations with the about Flynn's conversations with the Russian ambassador. Right. And uh, of course, the day after Flynn resigned, then is when Trump reportedly asked Comey to end the investigation of Michael Flynn, as we learned uh, a day or two ago. For his part today, Pence, uh, who headed the transition team, so he should have known about uh, Flynn and Turkey. Uh, And then as VP, he should have known that Flynn had lied about his conversation with the Russian ambassador. Uh, because he w- he had been told 18 days earlier, he is now claiming he didn't know nothing about nothing uh, concerning any of this. You know, and that makes he's, Pence look really bad either way. I mean, either he's completely ignorant and completely uninformed and kept in the dark by his staff, or he knows about this stuff. Politico reports that Vice President Mike Pence is standing by his March claim, his claim in March that he had learned about Michael Flynn's Turkish lobbying work through the media. Only through the media in March, even as uh, these new report in reports indicate that Flynn in, had informed the transition team way back in early June that he was under federal investigation for not properly disclosing the paid work. And again, that paid work itself was not in and of itself illegal, at least if he had. Well, at least as far as we know, and as at least had he reported it as required by federal law. Pence, uh, who ran President Trump's transition operation, told Fox News on March 9 that he was hearing that story today uh, was the first he had heard of it. Uh, And yet today, Pence's office said in a statement to Politico, the vice president stands by his comments in March upon first hearing the news regarding General Flynn's ties to Turkey and fully supports the president's decision to ask Flynn uh, to ask for General Flynn's resignation. Still, they note, Pence once again finds himself in an uncomfortable position here. He either delivered a false statement in March when he was asked about this or... He was kept in the dark about critical information relating to one of the president's most senior aides, the national security advisor. Exactly. Even as Pence was supposedly heading the transition. I know. For this entire thing. Uh, so he either lied or. Uh, or he's stupid. Or, <laughs> yeah, or they kept the him right. in the dark. Right. Or they just didn't tell him about it. Beyond Pence, the episode could also spell trouble for uh, White House counsel Don McGahn. Politico notes. 
uh, citing this New York Times report that uh, Flynn had uh, had told McGahn that he was under investigation. So McGahn was McGahn like the black hole of this administration. They would tell stuff to Don McGahn. Uh, the, the 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 chief legal counsel and he would go okay thank you very much and then Don McGann would go out fishing I, I mean uh, the White House had said that Trump was not that Donald Trump was not aware of Flynn's work for Turkey either so McGann didn't tell the vice president who happened to head the transition and apparently he didn't tell the president either if you believe all of these stories and all of this reporting and, and all the we responses, can do at this point yeah and the responses from Pence and Trump that oh we didn't know about that uh, by the way Politico also adds that these are not the only occasions in which Pence has given dubious statements to the public as vice president he claimed recently that uh, Trump's firing of the FBI director James Comey came about after uh, he chose to, uh, after Trump chose to, quote, accept and support the recommendation of the Department of Justice. Trump then immediately the next day went out and said he would have fired Comey regardless of that recommendation. So uh, Pence was once again left uh, flapping in the wind there by this administration. Um, all right. Uh, this was. Uh, <laughs> A lawyer earlier today, it was reported that a lawyer for the uh, for Michael Flynn informed the Senate Intelligence Committee that he will not honor its subpoena for private documents. That's how AP reported this story earlier today. The Senate Intelligence Committee uh, had sent this subpoena to Flynn. Uh, and according to the chairman, Republican Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, uh, Burr said that uh, the, the, the response from Flynn's lawyer is that they would not uh, honor the subpoena. They would not turn over these documents. And Burr said that, well, we'll figure out uh, we'll figure out on General Flynn what the next step is, if any. Okay, that was earlier today. And AP, that's how AP reported it. The committee, of course, is one of uh, several on Capitol Hill that is investigating the potential collusion between Russia and President Donald Trump's 2016 campaign, says AP. Now, but you'll recall that Burr, we talked about him yesterday on the show. He was the one who said on Tuesday night after news broke that Trump uh, had allegedly asked uh, then FBI Director Jim Comey to end the investigation into Michael Flynn during this private Oval Office meeting in February, um, it, according to a contemporaneous internal memo said to have been sent to colleagues by Comey, who said that he was asked to, uh, to essentially to end the Flynn investigation. So Burr, uh, when he was asked about that memo, said, well, that's up to the New York Times to get a copy of that memo. It was not up to him or the Senate Intelligence Committee, suppose his Senate Intelligence Committee supposedly investigating all of this. That was, I think, Tuesday night. I've lost track of uh, the days now. But by Wednesday, uh, Burr had changed his tune and the committee announced that they had asked the FBI for those uh, for those documents from Jim Comey detailing those private meetings with the president. But this is who Burr is supposedly in charge of the serious investigation in Congress. This is the one that unlike the, the House Intelligence uh, Committee investigation, which has become a joke, the Senate Intelligence Committee, they're supposed to be the serious one. Well, all right, now we have this update to this story from AP. After Richard Burr had said that Flynn's attorney told him we're not going to honor the subpoena, 
Now the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee says his panel has actually not received a response from Flynn's lawyer. Uh, Republican Senator Richard Burr says ousted National uh, Security Advisor uh, Flynn's attorneys, quote, have not yet indicated their intentions regarding the Senate Intelligence Committee's subpoena as part of the panel's uh, probe. Burr says he would welcome Flynn's uh, willingness to cooperate. Our earlier hours earlier, AP notes, Burr said Flynn's lawyer said he wouldn't comply. Wow. Make up your mind, Senator Burr. Which is it? Pick a side, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, just absolute chaos. So this is why I'm hoping that uh, Robert Mueller, who is now the former FBI director, who's now been uh, named by the DOJ as special counsel to take over the FBI probe, uh, of what the DOJ announcement describes as, quote, the investigation of Russian interference with the 2016 presidential election and related matters. The order itself, which was issued by the office of uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. And oh, yeah, it's Rosenstein, yes. not Rosenstein. <laughs> Just as, my, just, just as my father told me, by the way, oh, always listen right. to dad that's on the day right. one. He said, no, that's Rosen, uh, Rosenstein. Uh, in any event, uh, Rosenstein had been had been overseeing the investigation um, but since uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions has supposedly recused himself from this. So he appointed uh, Robert Mueller. Uh, and, uh, that, and that was just yesterday. That order, I know, during the show, broke yesterday. That order uh, charges Mueller to investigate, quote, any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump and any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation and any other matters within the scope of uh, 28 CFR, blah, blah, blah. And I look that that section of the federal that statute, code up, yeah. Yeah, which includes the jurisdiction of a special counsel as established by the attorney general and also including the authority to investigate and prosecute federal crimes committed in the course of and with intent to interfere with the special counsel's investigation, such as perjury, obstruction of justice, destruction of evidence, intimidation of witnesses, and so forth. But that refers to obstruction that takes place during the special counsel's investigation. I don't know. Now, the special don't know counsel, if it could be expanded beyond the well, special counsel's specific investigation. I don't know if it can be expanded to obstruction that occurred before the His special counsel's uh, investigation took place. Uh, and, you know, whether it reaches out into all of these things concerning Turkey and Michael Flynn. And so that's why I'm bringing it up. That's why I wanted to point to these uh, with a big red arrow to these uh, to this news concerning Flynn and Turkey, which in theory, the FBI is already looking into. But depending on how much, depending on what the special counsel's scope is here, that what the the, the remit of that office is now going to be, um, I. I I'm keeping my eye on it. I know that a lot of people are saying, hey, this is great. It gives the uh, special counsel wide latitude. Robert Mueller, everyone loves him, uh, Republicans and Democrats alike. Um, but I, I, as usual, I am uh, skeptical and uh, trying to keep my eyes on as much as I can here and not trust what is just simply reported by the media, uh, by the lamestream media, by the fake news media. <laughs> 
The dying uh, New York Times. Responding to the news that a special counsel had been appointed last night by the Department of Justice to investigate the Trump campaign and uh, its alleged collusion with Russia in the 2016 election. Donald Trump said yesterday, yesterday, last night, after all of this, that a thorough investigation will confirm there was no collusion between his campaign and any foreign entity. So this was after receiving the news about the special counsel, the statement that was put out by Donald J. Trump, president of the United States. He said, as I have stated many times, a thorough investigation will confirm what we already know. There was no collusion between my campaign and any foreign entity. He said, I look forward to this matter concluding quickly. Well, that was sober. That was reasonable. That was an appropriate statement for the president of the United States. It was measured. And it held up for about 12 hours or so before Trump woke up and started tweeting, calling the entire affair a witch hunt. We'll pick up that witch hunt after this quick break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Told you it was a tsunami. Well, the law hasn't won yet, but the law has uh, reasserted itself and perhaps has a fighting chance here. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com trying to make sense of this new tsunami. And don't worry, Desi Doyen, we are still on track. <laughs> we are still on track for your Green News report. Keeping my fingers crossed. That's right. Uh, no huge breaking news has uh, occurred during that break, so we are Shh, don't okay say anything. for the moment. You might break I know, it. we're okay. <laughs> uh, the reports coming from inside the White House are just amazing. Uh, CNN uh, has what they describe as inside an embattled Trump's most consequential evening of turmoil yet. And that's saying something. This was last night after the announcement of the special counsel. Uh, they, well, they write, no one inside the West Wing had to ask how the president's mood was on Wednesday afternoon as aides awaited his return from delivering the commencement address to the Coast Guard Academy in Connecticut, a speech once intended to offer encouragement and inspiration, became laced with grievances in the hours before the remarks were finally delivered. Uh, here's a part of how they started yesterday. Look at the way I've been treated lately, especially by the media. No politician in history and I say this with great surety, has been treated worse or more unfairly. 
Surety is not a word. Is it a word? I have to look it up. It drives me crazy every time I hear that quote. In any event, uh, that was Donald Trump uh, complaining that no one, no one has been uh, treated as poorly as he has uh, by by the media. Um, But then uh, after he delivered those remarks, he returned to the White House already in a bad mood uh, and even worse news news uh, broke for him. Trump and his aides received less than an hour's notice, apparently, on Wednesday before the Justice Department announced that it was bringing in Robert Mueller, the ex-FBI director, as a special counsel to take over the investigation into Russia's alleged election meddling. It was the third straight day this week that brought deeply damaging news to an increasingly beleaguered commander-in-chief. When he learned of the development, Trump himself was in the middle of interviewing candidates for the FBI director post, which is vacant because he fired the last person leading that probe just one week ago. That would be James Comey. But that uh, uh, by uh, his his settled mood, uh, the way he dealt with the the statement that they put out, it was a measured 50 word statement that I read just before the break, that mood. Uh, quickly fell apart, clearly dissipated his settled, his stayed response to the news, fell apart uh, after originally claiming last night that a thorough investigation will confirm what we already know, that there was no collusion between my campaign and any foreign entity. That was the last we heard of it. Everybody went to bed. Everything was fine, sort of, within the White House. That changed by Thursday morning when the president took to Twitter, saying, with all of the illegal acts that took place in the Clinton campaign and the Obama administration, there was never a special counsel appointed. He went on to add that this is the single greatest witch hunt of a politician in American history. Now, as AP notes today, uh, Trump's complaints that he was being subjected to an unprecedented witch hunt, they say that ignores history, given that uh, President Bill Clinton was investigated by an independent counsel, Ken Starr, for, what was it, four years? Yes. In a probe that resulted in Clinton being impeached by the House of Representatives. Also... President Richard Nixon resigned after a damning investigation (laughs) by a select committee before he could be impeached. It's just on a side note, it's kind of funny that all of these, you know, very uh, these journalists have to go run out and find fact checking about is this really the worst treatment of a president ever? (laughs) That's where we are. Elsewhere, CNN goes on to report fresh fresh signs of fresh chaos were emerging. Advisors planning Trump's first foreign trip, which begins on Friday, canceled scheduled briefings on the matter to avoid having reporters milling about the West Wing. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence roared away in his motorcade. Kelly Kellyanne Conway, this was last night, uh, Trump's senior counsel who had been scheduled for an appearance on Fox News. She canceled her appearance on Fox News. Tucker Carlson, who was going to interview her, said, it does seem a little chaotic over there. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> well, that's a nice change of pace for him <laughs> to be honest with them. Uh, the, uh, the Hill notes that Carlson said the show uh, had booked Kellyanne Conway on Wednesday night at the request of the White House. He claims we had booked her at their request. We don't often have people from the administration on, but they said we want to send over Kellyanne Conway. Great, he uh, Carlson said. Then 
Not long before air, they canceled it for reasons that were not exactly clear, said Carlson. Well, the reason was the special counsel had just been named and they had no clue how to respond to it, apparently. Into the night last night, the White House struggled to contain its frustration. CNN uh, reports here, CN uh, senior advisors told junior aides to focus on their work, compartmentalize the latest round of drama. The president and those around him saw again Wednesday night the limits of his own executive authority, a feeling presidents before him have bemoaned. And he has witnessed multiple times in his first four months in office. One aide, one aide described the mood at the White House in two words, chaotically dark. People close to Trump say that he remains angry, frustrated with his staff. He's blaming them for this. Rumors of a shakeup which have shattered the White House since the day Trump took office only increased in volume. As the barrage of bad news continued, Trump continues to strain the patience uh, and emotions of underlings, they report, who find themselves struggling to understand the impulsive and often self-damaging behavior of their boss. The frustrations extend beyond the White House. One senior GOP source uh, who has been in regular contact with Rosenstein at the Department of uh, Justice um, who has been regular in contact with him, uh, who had uh, helped execute the Comey firing, Rosenstein did. Uh, but Wednesday night said uh, that the, he named the special counsel, and uh, this uh, source said that the deputy attorney general Rosenstein had become angry and exasperated with the Trump White House over their handling of the Comey matter. Rosenstein, who was uh, so upset after, uh, last week, uh, after last week's proceedings, that he was, quote, talking about packing his bags and that he is now throwing Trump, quote, overboard with this special counsel, at least according to this source. Meanwhile, at the White House, staffers say they're exhausted after a week of arrows. They're exhausted. <laughs> How do you think the country feels? I mean, these guys did this to themselves. <laughs> this is all this is all self-inflicted. You know, they did this to themselves and they did it to us. To be honest, the, I really the, don't ever want to hear anybody say again how great it would be to have a businessman or somebody who's an outsider and knows nothing about politics in a position of power again. CNN says it, it's it's just been three days straight of these 545 p.m. announcements, one aide said. Yeah, that's exactly uh, when the news then breaks here as we're doing the show. Still hasn't broken. No new news. No <laughs> new bombshells, at least uh, that I'm aware of, at least not on my iPhone alerts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's as AP uh, reported in an analysis uh, headlined, quote, a crisis Trump can't manage with tweet or taunts. The news service quoted uh, president, his presidential historian Douglas Brinkley, who said that Trump is not going to be able to jive his way out of the Mueller-led investigation. He wanted to make it out as media and democratic warfare, Brinkley said. But now, with Mueller being chosen and the GOP backing the Justice Department decision, Trump is truly going to be held to the standards of justice. Well, I certainly hope so. 
but that is why it is so important to have an investigation carried out by a body that is 100% independent of the administration itself. Former FBI Director Robert Mueller, who has been named as the special counsel here, uh, has received mostly plaudits from both Democrats and Republicans alike. He is, I should note, a Republican himself. He was initially named as a federal U.S. attorney by Ronald Reagan way back in 1986 before going on to serve as a U.S. attorney or as the assistant attorney general under subsequent presidents George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton before he was then named as the director of the FBI by George W. Bush, where he served uh, under both him and under Barack Obama uh, for 12 years total. Obama had asked him to stay on a couple of years uh, after his 10-year term had expired. He asked him to stay on for two more years until he was then finally replaced by Jim Comey, who, by the way, is also a Republican. Just to point that out, uh, he was appointed by President Obama uh, in 2013. And what we're getting now is this rare moment of bipartisan uh, support for Robert Mueller. Senate, uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, after the announcement of Mueller's appointment, said former Director Mueller is exactly the right kind of individual for this job. He said, I now have significantly greater confidence that the investigation will follow the facts wherever they lead. House Oversight and Government Reform Chair Jason Chaffetz of Utah, Republican, uh, who announced on Tuesday that he had he was demanding from the FBI copies of memos written by former FBI Director James Comey. Um, he tweeted on Wednesday that Mueller is a great selection, impeccable credentials. He should be widely accepted. And after promising that he has his veto pen ready or his subpoena pen ready if the FBI doesn't cough up those documents today, Jason Chaffetz of Utah announced that he's going to be leaving Congress in about a month. Uh, the uh, Republican chair of the Oversight Committee, uh, basically, he, he shocked the world with his unexpected retirement announcement last month. And now on Thursday, he made another surprise announcement. That might otherwise be, you know, today's lead story. He will resign from his congressional seat before his term expires in 2019. He said this week, I sent a letter to the Utah governor, Gary Herbert, indicating my intention to resign from Congress effective June 30, 2017. That's next month. He is getting out. He has had it, apparently. After spending all of these years after, you know, going after Hillary Clinton, going after Barack Obama, Benghazi this, Benghazi that. Uh, now that he has something to actually investigate, a president of his own party, he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. Get me a job at Fox News while they're getting still good. And only seven, six to seven months after his constituents voted him in. That was nice of him to go ahead and get himself in there so that they didn't have another choice. Reports late today are that Trey Gowdy, Congressman Trey Gowdy, will take over as chair of the Oversight Committee. Wow. He's the one who led the ridiculous Benghazi, speaking of witch hunts, uh, the ridiculous Benghazi witch hunt uh, in, in Congress. That was led by Trey Gowdy. So anyway, we will see. If he is quite as aggressive now as he was then concerning that, I hope so. Uh, Tim Kaine, uh, Democrat from Virginia, also Hillary Clinton's running mate last November. Uh, he called the announcement of Robert Mueller a good one. Senator Dianne Feinstein said this was a good first step. 
Uh, many Republicans who had hedged over the past several days about uh, appointing a special counsel after Mueller's appointment. Now they said, hey, that was a great idea. <laughs> Orrin Hatch said, I commend the DOJ for bringing an independent voice to help bring clarity to this situation. House Speaker Paul Ryan said, my priority has been to ensure thorough and independent investigations are allowed to follow the facts wherever they may lead. The addition of Robert Mueller, a special counsel, is consistent with this goal. As long as it's a Republican, we're good with it. I guess so. Uh, on and on it went from Republicans and Democrats alike, except uh, McConnell, uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, who he had strongly opposed calls for a special counsel. Uh, and uh, his his uh, his comments were somewhat more subdued. He said, quote, the decision by the deputy attorney general to appoint former FBI director Robert Mueller as a special counsel confirms that the investigation into Russian interference or intervention into our election will continue. He didn't uh, applaud it. He just said this confirms that it will continue. So um, there you go. The Democrats are also calling, however, for an independent commission because, uh, you know, this special counsel, their investigation is going to go quiet. The question of public uh, testimony on all of this with all of these characters, that's another matter. And that's why Democrats are still calling for a special independent blue ribbon commission like the 9-11 commission, uh, something of that format. Where the uh, report would be eventually right. made public, unlike in this situation where the report does not have to be made public with the special counsel, Robert Mueller. But let's be generous for now and say that there's bipartisan uh, agreement that uh, the addition of Robert Mueller was a good idea. So uh, that's some good news, a rare moment of bipartisanship in D.C., but that bipartisanship has not extended, apparently, to the president himself. Just before airtime today, uh, he was asked about his witch hunt comment by Jonathan Carl of, uh, of ABC News. During a, uh, a joint press conference that Trump held today with the visiting president of Colombia, here was Trump's response. Well, I respect the move, but the entire thing has been a witch hunt, and uh, there is no collusion between certainly myself and my campaign, but I can always speak for myself and the Russians, zero. Uh, I think it divides the country. I think we have uh, a very divided country because of that and many other things. Uh, so I can tell you that uh, we want to bring this great country of ours together, John. I hate to see anything that divides. Uh, I'm fine with oh, yeah. whatever people sure want to do, but we have to get back to running this country really, really well. That's what I want to be focused on, because believe me, there's no collusion. Uh, Russia is fine, but whether it's Russia or anybody else, my total priority, believe me, is the United States of America. So thank you very much. I believe him. I believe him. He said, believe me, several times, so it must be true. Now, uh, this notion that uh, it is this investigation that is somehow dividing the country is somewhat absurd. But notice what he did there at the at the very beginning of that, when he talked about uh, there is no collusion. I can only speak for myself himself. Uh, no collusion between Russia and myself. And I believe that could very well be the case. Uh, we don't know. We don't know anything about any of this. Uh, there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that I know of of collusion between uh, uh, 
Donald Trump himself and Russia. Personally. And, and personally. Right. And actually, there's no evidence of collusion between uh, the Trump campaign and Russia when it comes to interfering with our election, at least no public evidence. The intelligence community claims they got something, but we haven't seen it. Nobody has seen it. But what, what is interesting here is that was the first time I think Donald Trump has moved to say myself. Uh, As separate from his campaign staff. Right. That he, him, he himself and Russia. So I don't know if he's starting to, you know, shed himself of the rest of his campaign staff, if he has finally concerns about them or not. But for himself, he's saying this is crazy. It's a witch hunt. There is no collusion. I know nothing about it. Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. But I do know we got to get to a break, so we will get to Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. No time for chit-chat. Let's get right to it. Desi Doyen, our latest Green News report. Virginia is now uniquely positioned to become a leader in the effort to reduce carbon emissions and stave off the most dramatic consequences of climate change. Virginia governor sets up carbon cap and trade system. What this really is about is, is taking away public lands from the American people. Bears Ears National Monument targeted for repeal on behalf of oil and gas industry. EPA gets an earful on which pollution regulations to repeal or not. Plus, Glacier National Park is slowly losing what it's named after. It's famous glaciers. See it while you still can. National Park glaciers are going, going. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comments. In fact, I've been, you know, been criticized by some of my opponents as saying you've put somebody in charge of the EPA who sued the EPA 13, 14, 15 times. Uh, my response to that is they deserved it. Okay, so what did we do to deserve you, Scott Pruitt? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, as the administration and its EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt, do whatever they can to abandon the environment, it's being left up to states and state governors to try to save it. That's absolutely right. Virginia's Democratic Governor Terry McAuliffe on Tuesday signed an executive order to create a cap-and-trade system for the state's power plants. Cap-and-trade is a market-based mechanism that caps the emissions from power plants and allows them to trade and sell their un used allowances to essentially profit from reducing their emissions. Virginia is grappling with rising sea levels that are already causing nuisance flooding in coastal cities. Governor McAuliffe said since President Trump is rolling back climate policies, states must now take the lead to fight climate change. Virginia cannot afford to sit idly by as the new administration rolls back common sense policies. 
The citizens of our Commonwealth want and expect us to confront this issue. That is why we are announcing bold action today. You know, it's strange. We we hear all the time from Republicans that cap-and-trade legislation will destroy the economy. Odd that the governor of Virginia and the, the governors of uh, California and elsewhere would want to destroy their own economy. Funny, it's actually turning out to be a helpful part of the economy in California. Huh. Internationally, as the U.S. falls behind because of President Trump's policy reversals, the world's other two largest emitters are making fast gains. According to a new analysis from Carl CarbonTracker.org, China and India, the world's two most populous countries, are making such rapid progress in cutting the growth of their own carbon emissions that they're on track to not only meet, but beat their emissions reduction pledges under the United Nations Paris Climate Agreement. Weird. We were told that would kill the economy, too. Meanwhile, in Montana, if you want to see Glacier National Park, you should probably go sooner rather than later. A new report from the U.S. Geological Survey says that the glaciers the park is named for are disappearing. Since just the 1960s, the glaciers have shrunk 40 percent on average. Some have shrunk as much as 85 percent. Out of about 150 glaciers in the park in the late 1800s, there are now only 26, still big enough to qualify for the name. Meanwhile, the Trump administration's Environmental Protection Agency got quite an earful when it asked for public comment on which pollution regulations to repeal in response to an executive order from President Trump. Turns out people like their clean air and clean water. The Washington Post reports the EPA received more than 55,000 comments wow. with defenders opposed to rolling back EPA pollution rules, outnumbering industry critics by 73 to 1. Wow. So they had opened up a line to ask people what we should do away with, what rules, what regulations we should do away with. And everyone called and said, keep them, keep the regulations in place. That's right. Wow. The EPA comment docket is now closed, but the Interior Department is now taking public comments on which of your national monuments you'd like to keep. A Trump executive order directs Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke to recommend recently designated monuments for repeal. You can tell him what you think at regulations.gov. One of the monuments targeted for repeal by the oil and gas industry is the new Bears Ears National Monument in Utah. Bears Ears was protected by President Obama back in December after a years-long effort by Native American tribes trying to protect their ancestral lands from rampant looting. Utah's state and federal lawmakers are lobbying to strip Bears Ears of protected status. Attorney Matt Campbell of the Native American Rights Fund said on a recent broadcast, it's a blatant attempt to open Bears Ears to mining, drilling and fracking. What this really is about is is taking away public lands from the American people to free them up for resource exploitation. And the tribes view this area as very important. There's hundreds of thousands of of artifacts and archaeological sites and landmarks and and objects of historic and scientific interest within all the regions of Bears Ears. The Interior Department has purposely made the Bears Ears public comment period very short. You can make your voice heard again by leaving a comment at regulations.gov. Where? Regulations.gov. Got it. For all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone It'd be a paradise to put up a fucking line
Thank you to my producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us here on the Bradcast. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it as ever for free at bradblog.com. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. Wow. No huge bombshells during the course of today's show. Yay! I- I'm sure it'll happen as soon as we say uh, goodnight. And for that... I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Please don't it always seem to go that you don't.